because I don't want to put you on the spot with that. I am actually going to put you on the spot with something else. I have a question for you while I set up. You can have about 30 seconds. If you could have anything, anything right now, I could give it to you. If you could have anything, what would you ask for? Think about that. Uh, <laughs> think about that, and I am going to, uh, gonna, I'm going to pull some of you for your answers in just a moment. Okay, if you can have anything, if I could give it to you right now, by magic, what would it be? Perry, keep me off. Uh, £761. £761. That sounds like a debt, Perry. I'm not going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Megan, what would it be? Your visa, your visa, your visa to Mozambique. Not to this country, guys, to Mozambique. Okay, I don't know you. What would you ask for? Um, everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Oh, she schooled Perry 700 pounds there, didn't she? Let's say, come on, what would you ask for? Trip to the Caribbean. Oh, a trip to the Caribbean. Oh, fantastic. If you could have anything, what would you ask for? FIFA. 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 Okay, all right. Well, uh, uh, how much is a trip to the Caribbean? Roughly, in a ticket. £1,000 per ticket. Thousand pound. Everlasting peace, how much is that? I won't ask. Uh, well, how much is FIFA? FIFA is £50. £50. Okay, I have my phone on me. And my phone... I don't have my phone on me. It's down there. My phone has my Amazon account on it. And all else failing, I have my nationwide banking app on my phone. £50 for FIFA. Would you like FIFA? In front of everyone right now, shall I order you FIFA? Okay, well, FIFA is on my phone for you right now. Have that? What? There you go. No. No, no, no. That's, that's FIFA for you. All you need to do is get into my phone. Okay? All right? There is a five-digit passcode. I know it. You could ask me for it. I could just give it to you and you could type it in. There's five digits. Five digits. Do you know what the chances are? of guessing a five-digit passcode to an iPhone. Do you know how many possible combinations there are? Gracie's guessing one, two, three, four, five. There is one million possible combinations. You get five attempts before my phone will lock you out. That is five tries to get FIFA. Do you know what that means? For every, for every one chance you have, there is 250,000 chances you might get it wrong. Do you want to try? Yeah? Yeah? All right, okay. Well, I'm going to speak for about 20 minutes and we're going to come back to you and see if you got into my phone. But if you get in, and obviously this is an illustration that might backfire because there is a 1 in 250,000 chance he might get in. So try it, lock me out, and then we'll come back to the end. But we'll, we'll come back to Nash in a minute. What we'll do is we'll just start on the same page. If you could have the thing that you want the most, the thing that you've been working towards, Praying for, right now, it was in front of you. Would you would you take it? Yeah. Would you get it? You'd you'd reach out and you'd grab it. Yeah. So you must think what I think when I read Joshua chapter eighteen, 
and the Israelites, who have spent 18 chapters fighting, desperately trusting in God, dangerously taking risks, taking risks, taking risks. This is a new cereal, really, isn't it? Uh, Taking risks for this promised land. For this promise of land that they will one day have for their... A promise that was given to their ancestors, not even to these Israelites who inherited the land. Their ancestors, all the way back in Genesis, is the first hint of this promise. All of this time, and they arrive at the promised land. It's there. It's for them. And what do they do? Nothing. Seven tribes of Israel do nothing. What is that about? So much so that Joshua even says, verses uh, verse two, and, 2 and 3 are going to come, come up for us. Joshua even says to them, so, but there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. And so Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? How long will you wait? You know that there's a bit of sass in that comment. You know when your partner says, how long will you wait to do the dishes? You know that, that really the question is, when will you do the dishes? But it, it's, why haven't you done the dishes? When, you're, when your parents say, how long will you wait to tidy your room? The question is, why haven't you listened to me? Why haven't you done the obvious thing? Why haven't you tidied your room? So why are the Israelites just waiting around? See, we're looking at the, cha- uh, the book of Joshua uh, to glean lessons on how to take new ground, how to respond to the promises of God that are on our hearts as a church, as individuals, learning from the Israelites, how do we do it? And we arrive at chapter 18. What can we learn from them? Well, that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at why the Israelites might arrive to a promised land and do nothing about it. And you might think that it's mad, but I think if we, if we focus on them, maybe we will find some areas where we understand them a little bit. Maybe, maybe where we can apply some situations in our lives where we think, oh yeah, that would be a time where exactly what I want is right in front of me and I just don't, don't do anything about it. And then once we do that, we'll, we'll look at how to overcome that. Does that sound like fun? I'm, I'm glad that sounds like fun because I've prepped that. So I, if you said no, I would have nothing really. Um, so the first thing, the first thing we'll look at, why, why would the Israelites not step into the promised land? I've said it, we'll give a bit of context. It has been a while that they've been waiting for this. The, the, the Israelites that Joshua is angry at, the, the Israelites that he's, he's like accusing of being lazy right now, Are you actually kidding me? <laughs> okay, well, don't tell everyone my password. <laughs> One out of two hundred and fifty thousand. I mean. I'm, I'm not going to be called a liar in front of everyone. I, I guess I will be buying you FIFA. I will, I will buy you FIFA. I will buy you FIFA at the end of the service. You get, I, I'll do it in front of everyone. One out of 250,000. Amazing. Amazing. Right, well, come on. Let's go to the next few watch Guardians of the Galaxy or something. Wow, that is incredible. How many tries did it take? You were on your fifth try. Oh, the Lord is with you. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like the Lord wants you to have FIFA. I've got to. Amazing. That is incredible. Okay, all right. Well, let's give him another round of applause. He's just got FIFA, everyone. So, 
That is, that is brilliant. Wow. And I just lost 50 pounds. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, then. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have to really find my way through that last point a bit later on. But, uh, but we'll do it together. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Man, I had not planned for that at all. Yeah, I know. Okay, let's get back on track. Okay, the first reason why the Israelites might not step into the promises of God. The, 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 the promise was given to them ages ago. Ages ago. They have lived with this promise over their lives for a long time. It has always been present. And let me ask you a question. If something is always there, if it's always present, does it make it easier or harder to focus on? Let me ask you another question. How often do you hear the humming of your fridge? Maybe when you first get it, and then maybe when it's gone, but you get used to it. These Israelites have lived with the promise of God, in the, and yes, it's a fantastic promise. Yes, it's huge, it's big, it's good, but it's been there their whole lives, and they built lives around it. And so it's not that they, they, that they don't necessarily see that it's a really big thing, but there are other things going on for them right now, and they've just lost a bit of the novelty. They've lost a bit of the urgency to it. Maybe the Israelites are distracted, yeah? And you think, well, how could they possibly be that? But, but let me, Rumi, stand up for me, Rumi. Has everyone met Rumi? Give a round of applause, Rumi. Rumi, I've got something for you. Rumi, I have got for you a promise of God. Okay. Isn't it great? Isn't that a lovely promise of God? Fantastic. Perry, you hold this promise of God. Can you pass that round for me? The seats are close enough. Just start passing that promise of God around the room. Let me around. There you go. Now, Rumi, if I asked you to point out the promise of God in your life, where is it? It's over there. Wonderful. Fantastic. But is the promise of the God the only thing in Rumbi's life? No, she's got lots of other things. Have you guys met TK? Oh, TK, what a gem. If you haven't met him, I'm just jealous of your first conversation with him because it's a wonderful moment. It's a wonderful moment. TK is lovely. And sometimes TK points Rumbi to the promise of God in her life. But sometimes that beautiful face is distracting and love is good. And so... He's got TK. Can we pass that around? Let's go pass. And it's not just TK. TK and Nasha, who just got FIFA, and <laughs> Nakutenda are also in Rumbi's life. Here they are. They're wonderful. And they're, I mean, having kids is absolutely lovely. Sometimes they stress you out quite a lot. But there you go. Look, there's, there's your kids, Rumbi. They're going around the room as well. And do you know what? TK's got a job. She's got a fantastic uh, TK. Uh, Rumbi's got a job, a wonderful career. A brilliant career. Let's pass that one around. There you go. And there's loads more. Come on, let's have a few of them. Let's have a few of them. She's got ambitions. She's got talents. She's got, what else is there? What else is there? She's got a wider family. You want that, mate? There you go. She's, she's got lots of friends. She's got a community that she absolutely loves and that absolutely loves her. All right, there you go. So everyone who is holding a ball, could you please raise the ball for me? Look at that, Rumbi. That is your life. Rumbi, can, can you point out which one's the promise of God? I can't. Ah, that's good, because that's one illustration that I'll have that doesn't backfire. All right, Rumbi, take a seat for me. Thank you. Your whole family hasn't been blackboard. Lovely. Okay, there you go. It is easy when there's lots of other really great things in your life to get distracted from the promise of God. It does not mean the promise of God is not there. It doesn't mean you've forgotten about it. It just means that sometimes it's harder to find because there's so many good things going on. Maybe the Israelites are distracted. Maybe, next one, the Israelites are scared. And you think, why would they be scared? For the promise of God, new land. Wow, that's really good. 
But sometimes when God gives you something, God's a big God. God's a radical God. And that means that you've got to change some things. Everyone is holding a Red Bull. Could you raise that Red Bull up for me? See all these things? See all your lives? Sometimes when God offers you something, all these things suddenly, they become stakes. And they become things that you might lose. And you think, well, hang on a minute. I know, I know, God, that you want to make a change. I know, God, that you give me this really big thing, but can I still, can I still bring the family? Can I still bring the community, my, my talents, my ambitions? You're not going to ask me to lay them down, are you? You start bringing all of these things, and you're saying, I definitely want what you've got, because I know you're a good God, but I don't want to lose all the additional stuff I have. Yeah. And you start getting scared. The Israelites, remember, they've lived their whole lives wanting a promised land. They literally have never had a place to call their own. So they, every Wednesday they pack up their tents and they move on. That is a routine that they are comfortable with. And they suddenly arrive at a place. And they said, okay, build a house. You can throw the tent away. Build a house. Build a house there. What? But what if I don't like my neighbour? Because I just usually move next week if I don't like that. That's scary. Sometimes we get scared when God offers us a promise. Because, because we ask, what's the catch? And I know it. I know that sometimes we don't want to say this out loud. I'll confess it because I think a lot of us think this. With God, it often feels like there might be a catch, doesn't there? It's like when God, when God says he's going to get you a new car, it's really a Ferrari. It's like a useful focus that breaks down, but somehow the breakdowns are going to strengthen your faith. So you know it's a good thing. I absolutely want a strong faith. But you know what? I don't want the stress. I don't want the stress of a car that breaks down. And sometimes it can feel like that, can't it? God can speak to us and we go, well, we know it must be good. But what's the catch? Yeah? Rumi, can I borrow you again? Can you come here for a moment? There you go. Because you have a, a promise of God. Can you hold the microphone just here for me? Uh, no, actually, you hold this. This is a promise of God. But inside, there might be something really bad. Can you open that up for me? You might get stressed. Oh, yuck. You might get lonely. Sometimes God asks you to change something and you have to move around, you get lonely. Who likes pickle? Sometimes, sometimes the change might upset you. Oh, this was a used teabag thing that I did as well. So you got a bit of teabag in there. Thank you very much, Rimby. There you go. Thank you. That's the promise of God. Promise of God right there. Nick, you ready? One, two, three. Why are you all scared of a promise of God? Why are you all scared? Sometimes you go, what's the catch? What's the catch, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're talking to your kids about me. Yeah, I'll buy them FIFA, relax. Uh, last one that we'll look at today. Sometimes you get distracted, sometimes you get scared, sometimes you doubt. And yes, maybe, maybe you doubt God. Maybe you doubt God because you don't think he's as good as he says he's as faithful as he said and that's maybe why he's scared but the doubt I think that I want to look at today is maybe you doubt yourself maybe you realise how big God is you realise that this is the God who created the heavens and the earth and suddenly you feel so small compared to him and his power that you think what's my promise compared to everything else God's got bigger fish to fry hasn't he so so what's that promise about work, really, in the grand scheme of things? There's so, much, there's so many people starving in the world. Why should God care about that situation in my family? And we start doubting whether we're worthy of God's promise, whether we're worthy of God's attention and time. 
You know, my favorite book to read Jonah, my two-year-old, at night before he goes to bed, is The Snail and the Whale. Have you got, do you like The Snail and the Whale? Can I get a cheer if you've heard or like the yeah? I'm a big fan. It's an, odd, it's an odd situation when the parent prefers the book over the two-year-old. I'm pushing it all the time. He's like, no, thanks, Pepper. Can we do Peppa Pig? I'm like, let's do Snail and the Whale. Come on. The story of the snail and the whale starts off with a snail with an itchy foot. The snail feels so, so small. And she says, I want to see the world, but she can't do it. And so a big whale comes and the whale says, you can travel the world on my tail. And the snail and the whale travel the world. This big, big, big creature takes this tiny thing and shows it the world. And then after seeing all the world, the snail says to the whale, can I have the next slide, please? And she gazed at the sky, the sea, the land, the waves and the caves and the golden sand. She gazed and gazed, amazed by it all. And she said to the whale, I feel so small. A snail who has had experience like no other snail started off feeling small. And yet, after everything she goes through, she says, I feel so small. Sometimes you can have an amazing experience with God. You can know him so, so closely. This big, big, big thing has happened. And this big thing happened to the Israelites. They would have grown up with these stories. Do you remember what great grandma said? She said that he split the ocean so that we could walk right through it out of slavery. Wow, wow. But because you've seen all of these big things, you go, I feel so small. And the Israelites are looking at the promised land and they say, I I know it's right there. I know it's in front of me. But we've projected lots of, I mean, it's easy to look at the Israelites and just say the Israelites, they are thousands and thousands of individuals. Oh, where's the red ball? Is everyone with a red ball? Raise the red ball. All with individual lives going on. They all have little things that they've projected onto the promise of God. And they look over it and they say, oh, man, what if, what if all of that stuff, what if it's not fulfilled in God? Why would God care about all of that stuff? And so they just, I'll come back tomorrow. Let's wait until Joshua asks us until it's our turn. Let's, let's do that. Let's be absolutely sure that God's for it. Sometimes when you're facing a promise of God in your life, you can just doubt yourself. You can doubt that you're worthy of that fulfillment. You could be distracted, you could be scared, and you could doubt. So what do you do? What do you do? This is the way that you're feeling. Maybe you start off thinking the Israelites are mad. Maybe now you're thinking, yeah, I could get it. I get, I get why maybe they would uh, hold back. And maybe you do this in your own life. Well, what do you do? My advice to you would be, why don't you look at the last time, or one of the biggest times, the best time, God fulfilled a promise for you. Because God promised something to you once, and he fulfilled it. He said, I'm going to save your life. You see, God made you out of love, all of us. But at the beginning of time, we went, we went our own way. We got curious and inquisitive, and we went and tried some things some evil things. And because God's good, he couldn't be associated with evil. And so we were away from God. And that was not a good place to be. And God was where life was. God was where love was. And we couldn't have it. And do you know what God said? God said, I'm going to save you. He promised to. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross. Not just die on a cross, live a perfect life. Where the reward for that was closeness with God. It was love. It was life. But Jesus didn't get that reward. Instead, God said, I'm going to take that reward because I'm just and there needs to be it. I'm going to give that to you. And Jesus is going to have your consequence of all that evil, all that evil stuff, all that misbehavior. And he was distant from God. God gave his own son 
so that you can live. He promised to save you and look how he saved you. He sacrificed his own son. And my advice to you, if you ever feel, if you ever feel like you're questioning the, the promise of God over your life and how to step into it, whether you should step into it, if you're scared or if you're getting distracted by it or if you just doubt whether you're worthy of it, chew on that. Chew on the story of Jesus. Think about in a new way what Jesus has done for you. Because it will change things. Suddenly, when you think about that, when you think that the promise of God over your life was so good that God gave his own son for it. He gave his own son for you to give you that promise. Suddenly the promise doesn't look the same. Everyone with a red ball, can you, can you raise the red ball for me? Can you start passing those balls around again? You see, Rumbi, if I asked you to, to find the promise of God right now, it might be really hard, yeah? But when you focus on Jesus, the promise changes color a little bit. Rumbi, where's the promise of God now? It's over there. It's over there. Yeah. Can everyone see the promise of God? There's loads of red balls flying around, but can you all see the promise of God? Yeah. There you go. It's changed colour. And sometimes when you think, oh, what's the catch with God? What's the catch? Do you have any tissue? Can I get some tissue? Clean up my, um, clean up my mess? Oh, there actually isn't any tissue. Oh, there is. Oh, there is. The hospitality team are on it. Rumi, can I have some help, please? There you go. I'm going to put a piece of tissue over here. Can you, can you clean out that horrible ball of mess? There you go. Let's take out all of that. Let's take out all of that. Clean that out. Sometimes the promise of God in your life. You might say, what's the catch? And you might not know. There might still be a mystery. Oh, a bit more tissue for that. That would be wonderful. Um, there might still... Hmm, it's not too bad, actually. Yeah. There might still be a mystery. You might still get the use forward focus. But maybe God knows that a person who drives around a used Ford Focus that breaks down and is okay with it and is happy about it is better than the person who drives a Ferrari and feels the need to have a Ferrari improve himself. Maybe God knows that although it might be scary, he is for you. And actually, when you think about what Jesus did, he defeated death. He defeated death for you. And so what do you have to fear more than death itself? What are you scared of? And suddenly, suddenly the promise of God doesn't have a catch to it. It has a surprise inside of it for you. Who wants a promise of God? There you go. Have a promise of God. It's a good thing inside the promise of God. Not a scary thing. It's a good catch. And uh, let's get those three things out. You could be distracted. You could be scared. And you could be doubting. And I don't know whether your doubts are ever going to go away. Because we're an insecure people. We just doubt generally. But when you face your doubts, when you think about whether you're worthy enough for God's promise, you ask, am I? Suddenly... The question isn't, am I? You look at the evidence. It's a statement. I am. Jesus died for me. God gave his son for me. So I can doubt it all I want, but he's proved it. He has proved that, that I am worthy enough for a promised fulfillment. I am worthy enough. And actually, you think more about the gospel story. You think about the fact that God would give his own son for you. You think, oh, it's not just that I'm at the baseline. I must be so special to God. God must really really, really love me. I must be one of God's favourite people. And you dwell on that. And suddenly you don't start doubting whether you're worthy anything. You start saying, you know what? I am worthy. I am a son of God himself. I am worthy. And you start stepping in fervently to the promises. And all of these things, doubt, fear, being distracted, all of these things, I would argue, come out of a mindset. One mindset where we forget something crucial, where we forget 
But God is with us all the time. Sometimes we talk about the promises of God. We think that these abstract things, he plops them down on a map and he says to us all the way over here, okay, it's, some, it's over there, go and find it. And you think, okay, all right. Well. You walk up to the promise of God and you're alone. And then you get the promise of God and you've got to walk on from there and you're alone. God, you are never alone. You are never alone. God wants to walk the journey with you all the time. He wants to give you the promise, walk with you to get it, and then go into the unknown with you. The Israelites probably forgot that, that God was there with them. And yes, I did manage to guess my passcode and I did lose 50 pounds. <laughs> but the truth is, I did say in front of you all at the beginning, I said, no. I have the passcode and he could ask me for it and he could just type it in himself. Luckily, he guessed five times and got it right. But he could have just asked me at the beginning what the passcode was and I would have given it to you. And you would have got a, a, like a treat afterwards that does not compare to FIFA. So, <laughs> so I, guess, I guess you just got FIFA. So well done for backfiring the landing there. But, um, but there you go. So why don't we have just one more song of worship to think about this and maybe think about where you sit. If you sit on any of these things, do you often get distracted over the promise of God in your life? Do you get scared about the promise of God, thinking, what's the catch? And maybe sometimes you doubt. Should we do that? Should we have a stand? Think about this. Let me pray, and then uh, TK and the band will lead us into worship. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you would give your son for us. We thank you that you care so much about us, that you say we are worthy, that you say we have nothing to be afraid of, that you say we can focus on you and seek first your kingdom and all those other things will be added to us. We pray that that, that sits on our hearts today, Lord Jesus. We pray that we think about that. We pray that it changes us. We pray that you reveal something to us today as we do. In your precious name, amen.